Hello, everyone, and welcome to your five to ten minutes of I Can't Believe That Happened, a crazy moments in history podcast. Listen on your way to school or work and have something really cool and neat to talk about. If you can be very, very nice to this podcast, please share us. Make sure you tell a friend, share with a group online, or just say something really nice about us on iTunes. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's I Can't Believe That Happened. So this is the week that we're going to talk about my favorite breed of dog, and I'm feeling really kind of guilty because my shepherd is looking at me very... um, suspiciously, and the pug seems to have run off somewhere, but if I followed her snorts and snores, I'm sure I could find her. So I never expected to say this. I've always been a big dog person, but my son did get us to get a pug, and I have fallen head over heels in love with this little fuzzy ball of happiness and snot, so much snot, which is worth it because she's a little court jester and the cutest thing ever. So this week, we are going to continue our history of dogs. Last week was corgis. This week is the pug. So we're going to go right from the start, which the earliest I could find mentions of pugs goes all the way back to China in the Han Dynasty, BC 206 to AD 200. Um, Some of the historians were talking about that they were related to Tibetan mastiffs. So if you just want to do like a quick mental picture, picture a dog that's probably about as big as you are if you are in like the 10-year-old range almost. Like maybe if you're a shorter 10-year-old. But this is a very large dog. I'm so sorry, by the way. I have a cold, uh, flu. I've been sneezing and coughing like crazy. But I've been like this since last week, so since I wanted to put out the episode, I'm sorry you're just going to have to hear me sneeze and cough. My apologies, but stick with me. I swear this is a really fun episode. All right, so Tibetan Mastiff, super huge dogs. But I guess if you kind of squint and you kind of control, copy, paste, and shrink, you could kind of get a pug. Could happen. Um, These were uh, very prized by the emperors of China, and they lived in utter luxury. Like, they had their own little dog houses, which were fancy and beautiful. I'm going to try to attach any images I can find of those in the show notes. So head on over to the website when you can and take a look. Um, They were also guarded by soldiers, which is kind of adorable if you just want to sort of picture a little cute pug with a whole bunch of soldiers standing around. By the way, this is not out of line. I mean, even up to the Victorian era, dogs would get kidnapped, very um, popular breeds of dogs and dogs of wealthy owners. And that was a very common practice. And you might have heard some celebrities talk about that their dogs had been kidnapped. So it was not unusual or unwarranted for dogs to be under guard. So moving forward, we're heading over to 1572, and this is a really cool story because it combines military history and pugs. Like, if you ever thought you would put those two things in one sentence, congratulations. I never thought I would say those two things. But here's how this happened, and it happened in Holland. And the pug became the official dog of the House of Orange, and the pug's name was Pompey. And he reportedly saved the life of William, Prince of Orange, and This was reported that the pug gave him a warning that the Spaniards were approaching in 1572. So when William of Orange, later called William III, went to England uh, with his wife, Mary II, they did bring their pugs with them. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. So I'm going to tell you another one, and it starts out sad, and I'm sorry, but I swear it has a happy ending, so bear with me. Marie Antoinette, she is one of my favorite people in history, and when she was a very young teenager, we were talking like freshman year of high school, 
she was sent from her home country to France to get married. That is a mind-bending statement for me. Like, I cannot believe this child was sent over to a country where she knew virtually no one. And when she was handed over to the French court on the border, she had to give up everything that had anything to do with her old life. And that included her best friends and her very best friend, Mops, her pug, who she loved so much. There's a lot of historical evidence backing this up that she was extremely fond of Mops. And she had to put Mops back with her ladies-in-waiting for the dog and her friends to go back home. And she had to continue on to France to start her new life and her new marriage at 14. We'll leave that one alone. What I promised is a happy ending, and there is one. I did a whole bunch of research, and I did find quite a few sources that did claim that she was reunited with Mops. So, yay! Happy ending. I love it when there's one of those. All right, so we're going to get into another very famous French woman, and this story has intrigue and pugs. So here you go. Josephine Bonaparte, and you might have heard of her, she was married to Napoleon Bonaparte. All right, before they were married, she was confined at Les Carmes Prison. And I am so sorry for my pronunciation, but I would blame it on the cold, but I just can't pronounce it. So in the show notes with links to the images, please take a look. It was kind of an interesting looking prison. Her pug's name was Fortune. Now, when Josephine was in prison, she was not allowed any visitors. She was allowed her pug, who had a very thick collar that she would write notes and put them into the pug's collar so that she could get word out to family and friends. That's pretty cool. Now, the pug, Fortune, also had um, a bit of character detection. And I think history bears this one out because Fortune was not a fan of Napoleon. And on the day of their wedding, Fortune took a nip at Napoleon's leg, and I couldn't find out how serious that bite was, but it was pretty obvious that Fortune was not a fan of Napoleon. So we're going to move up to Queen Victoria, who was very fond of the pug, and as we've learned, and as you will learn, because we're going to go back to the Victorian era over and over again because I love it. I'm so fascinated by the Victorian era, but... This is also a rise in visual advertising. And almost everything that Queen Victoria did became a staple of our our world even today. Like the white wedding dress can be traced back to Queen Victoria. Um, The bouquet, a lot can go right back to Queen Victoria. And what she found fashionable, a lot of the world found fashionable. And one thing she found very fashionable was the pug. So in Victorian advertising, you'll see a lot of pugs, figurines of pugs, postcards of pugs, and a lot of paintings. Um, Their collars were bejeweled. Um, I found some crazy examples of this, like diamond collars, emerald collars, and they'd be tied in the back with a giant bow. If you want to read more about the pug, just head over to the website. There'll be links in the show notes and have a wonderful week. I'll see you next week with more of a general history of dogs, just some of the crazy stories that I have found in my research that I just couldn't break up into separate breeds. They're just nuts stories. We're going to hear about golden retriever weddings, um, the history of the Great Dane, which is fascinating and elegant. So I hope you come back. I hope you share this episode with friends and family. And until next week, when hopefully my voice will recovered, have a fantastic week.